Adam Fantilli scores his first NHL goal. We'll compare him with what Leo Carlson has done in his debut uh, for the Anaheim Ducks. Then we'll end things off with some talk about some 2024 NHL draft eligibles, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, we'll talk about Adam Fantilli's first NHL goal. We'll compare that with what Leo Carlson has been doing uh, in his NHL debut so far. Uh, played one game and looked really good in it. We'll talk about that in just a sec. Uh, and then in our third segment, we'll update you on two 2024 NHL draft eligibles that we've watched recently in Artyom Levshunov and Maxim Masi. Uh, before we get into any of that, just remember to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day it's always very much appreciated so let's get things started sebastian um let's talk about adam fantilli's first nhl goal it was a beauty um uh, his teammate got the puck in the offensive zone. Fantilli did a really good job of staying right in between two players and playing in between checks. Um, the, the the puck came in quick to him. He was able to take a touch, settle the puck in front of him, and just rifle it uh, pretty much on site right into the top corner. Celebrated hard as well. I was really proud of that one. Um, what's impressed me with Fantilli so far is just the fact that, you know, he's been playing relatively well in limited minutes. Um but he's been—he's always been the kind of pick where it's an investment. You're waiting for him to develop later on, right? I mean, we're not looking at the—you know—it's there's a difference with Leo Carlson there, right? For sure. I mean, yeah. Leo Carlson plays a far more refined brand of hockey. The reason that I think Fantilli was ahead on so many draft boards, ours included, uh, than Leo Carlson at the 2023 uh, NHL draft is that uh, the skills that he demonstrates are often quite chaotic and still in need of refinement, but yeah. are demonstrative of this really quite high-end ceiling there. And while, yes, when you had the Fantilli-Mitchkov debates, Fantilli was kind of the default like NHL-ready player in that debate, <laughs> both players are quite chaotic stylistically. And uh, Carlson just isn't quite that. He plays a a, a bit more of a simple uh, style of hockey that's already a lot more kind of suited for the NHL style. Uh, he he is able to layer a lot of professional habits into his uh, like shift by shift play already, uh, whereas Fantilli is still learning those nitty, nitty, uh, gritty details. And I think that Carlson's year in the SHL last year really gave him that extra step above Fantilli in terms of just the comfort that he'd be able to have playing against NHL competition and NHL styles of play. Uh, and with Fantilli, I think that will come, but uh, to start their NHL careers, I definitely think that Carlson's uh, shown a bit more comfort. Uh, but I think with Fantilli, with time, he might be able to show, to show a bit more flair uh, than Carlson is. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how these two players continue tracking, but both players to start their careers have uh, impressed in very different ways in my view. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's the same here. I feel like Fantilli and Carlson are fundamentally different players. Um, Fantilli's, like you said, is a bit more chaotic, um, but also a bit more kind of finesse to his game, a bit more offensive yeah. 
um, of offensive ability and a lot more intensity to his game than Carlson. There's a bit more of a calculated kind of processor. Yeah. Um, understands how to let play develop, which is something that Fantilli still needs to learn. And that's why Carlson in his NHL de- debut looked a lot more like an NHL player. I, I see a lot of Anton Lindell in Leonel Carlson and uh, Leo Carlson, just the, um, the advanced understanding of the game, the predictive element to his game, but obviously a better skater um, than Lindell. Yeah. Lindell is still to this day a below average NHL skater, um, but he impacts the game through his brain. And that's what makes his game tick. And it's a bit of the same for me with Leo Carlson. Um, the way I see Adam Fantilli developing is wildly different than the player that Leo Carlson is is going to be. I mean, Leo Carlson, you, you've got him right now, and you know already that this is basically what you're getting in the future. You're getting a really good top six center who can impact the game in all three zones, who can um, carry the puck up the ice, who can make smart plays in transition. Um, with Fantilli, you're you're getting a run and gun you know, potential top top line player, potential franchise player who's going to wreak havoc in the offensive zone on the four check, win pucks back, cycle them well, find space in the offensive zone. Um, they're fundamentally different players, but for me, it's just if we're talking five, six, seven years down the line in both of these players' primes, who do you take for a game? Again, I'm still siding with Ben Tilly. I think a couple NHL games isn't going to overturn uh, the decision that I made uh, last year in the draft class. Yeah. Uh, that said, I, I, I do th- see the two players as, as closer now than I did a couple months ago. So I do think that that, that Carlson's development is catching up a little bit with Van Tilly's over the last maybe six or so months. Yeah. Uh, that said, it... We'll see. Like it, it, it depends largely also on how both players are developed with their respective organizations, and I I doubt that Anaheim uh, is is going to regret their selection anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, maybe far in the future, but uh, either way, because the players are also so different, they bring different value, right? It's not a thing of whichever player here scores more points in their careers will end up being more impactful. Exactly. I don't think that will actually be a measure of their careers, where because I think that that Pantilli probably will score more points than Carlson. But there's definitely a world where Fantilli gets those points, but Carlson brings more impact to the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, to, to bring it back to Fantilli one uh, one last time here before we, we we talk about Carlson for an entire segment, mm-hmm. I've been quite impressed with seeing the amount of things he's been attempting at the NHL level. Like, there's definitely been plays that he hasn't been able to execute on, but he's taken cha- he's taking challenges on. He's not too afraid to try things. Yeah. And so far, Columbus is giving him free reign to, to do so. And while that has not translated to him being the most NHL effective player immediately, I do think that in the long run, it will help him to build that greater skill base to potentially truly dominate this league. And yeah. with Leo Carlson, he's already a comfortable fit on that top line uh, with Troy Terry and um, Trevor Zegras. Uh, he thinks the game at their pace. He's able to complement them very well off puck. He brings an element that they do not in terms of the physicality in the defensive awareness and the overall offensive profile as a power forward. So yeah. with, with him, I think that if, if we're looking at a potential like rookie breakout seasons, I, I think it's more likely going to come from Leo Carlson than Adam Fantilli at this stage. Yeah. Uh, but with Fantilli, I really, really am a big believer in his skill. I just do believe that's going to take him maybe two or three years to get as comfortable as Carlson may already be as a rookie. 
for sure absolutely and i mean you know he he's technically in the the top 10 for scoring right now among rookies uh fantilia with with two points in five games um tied with multiple players but still i mean he's it's not like he's being kept off the score sheet entirely and on a columbus blue jackets team that is giving him free reign to kind of play his game to do what he needs to do and and to explore new areas i mean we talk about this a lot but ex- you know exploration and and risk taking is the best way to develop new tools in your game and understand what works and what doesn't at a new level um a lot of the players who default to simple plays when they reach a new level or um kind of play it safe tend to off- more often than not not really explore their game and develop as as quickly um, so I think that the development curve for Fantilli is going to be steeper than it is with Leo Carlson for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, Fantilli is in such a great situation in, in Columbus where there's no pressure. He can do what he needs to do. He can learn. He can learn on the fly. He can explore what works and what doesn't. Um, I'm I'm fairly confident in Fantilli's ability to become kind of the superior um, the superior top light center, but. NHL impact is so volatile and it's based on so many different variables that it's difficult to kind of draw a line in the sand between these two guys. And I think that's going to continue to be a discussion well into their primes as to who is better. Um, But this is going to be an exciting couple of years as we see these two guys develop. It's going to be very interesting to see him go about it. We'll delve more more deeply into Leroy Carlson's game in the second segment coming up. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Sleeper. Sidney Crosby scores a hat-trick, your team wins the Stanley Cup, and you win 100 times your money. These are all possible scenarios for this season uh, if you join the Sleeper Fantasy Hockey app. With studs like Connor Bedard, NHL rookie, or as we're talking about in this episode, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli in the league, the NHL is more exciting than ever before. And you can add your own dose of excitement to that by playing... uh, daily fantasy hockey with the sleeper app uh simply follow a uh, common stat lines like goals assists points hits plus minus and more uh in order to create the best stat line for your week uh it playing fantasy hockey use promo code lockdown nhl and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply that's lockdown nhl see sleepers terms of use for details All right, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about Leo Carlson more in detail and how he played in his first NHL game. Um, so I, I believe he was held pointless in that game, uh, but played he was. a really... He was no, no, played... he, he, sorry, he, he scored. He scored in his debut, actually. Did he? Yeah, Did and he, he almost got an assist, too. He was great. Oh, oh was that's excellent. fantastic. Oh, yeah, he that's... was really good. Absolutely. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the stat line showed, according to Hockey Stat Card, he was a top four impact player on uh, on the Anaheim Ducks in that game. Um, he looked and good, too. It had a really positive impact on the game. Other than the in the face-off dot, he was really, really solid yeah. in that match. And We don't talk about the face-offs. <laughs> didn't <yeah>. happen. <laughs> no, they, they did not happen. Nothing happened there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, take it away on Leo Carlson. What was your kind of first impressions on him um, throughout this game? What What did you like that he did well? Um, and talk me through the goal that he scored as well. Yeah, Carlson looked confident and comfortable throughout the game. He did. He looked the opposite of an NHL rookie playing his first ever game in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very comfortable with the puck on his stick, uh, making quick decisions in possession, supporting teammates really well off puck. 
he scored his goal on a two-on-one uh, where he recognized the 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 play pretty quickly and just sprinted up the ice off puck, uh, positioned himself very very well to give uh, Troy Terry a chance of completing the pass to him and just comfortably slotted home uh, in the top left corner of the net and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it was a very very good play uh, earlier on in the game he had a play which I thought live was actually a primary assist but I'm not sure if he actually touched the puck but he either way he was creating chaos by the net front and. Uh, overall, he was making himself known, and uh, he was having an impact whether the puck was on his stick or not. I thought his defensive play in his own zone was solid but unspectacular, which uh, demonstrates like some progression from last year. Like I-, I don't think I've ever been quite as high on his pure in-zone de- defense as other scouts have, yeah. uh, but uh, he- he's-, he's looking good defensively already. Uh, I thought that his, his reads were solid and consistent, but I didn't see the, the level of uh, aggression that I would love to see from a centerman in the, in the defensive zone. Uh, sure. That that said, he, it was a very, very strong debut. And um, among the 2023 NHL drafted players, uh, so far, I think in the NHL, he, he has impressed me more than anyone not called Connor Bedard uh, at the yeah. NHL level. I think even if you compare him with a player like Zach Benson, who's creating a lot of advantages consistently, uh, a couple games into their NHL careers, Leo Carlson looks like a slot. Like, look, he looks like a first liner already. Uh, and and if, if that regresses to a second liner as an NHL rookie, uh, that, that's very impressive. Uh, so yeah, Leo Carlson's off to a fantastic start. Uh, and I'm very excited to see how it continues for him because Anaheim's creating a pretty fun team there. And with players like Pavel Mintyukov and Leo Carlson starting to make impact at the NHL level and scoring goals so far this season. Yeah. Lots to be excited for there. It's unfair. I mean, it feels like every year they add a, a, two rookies that just slot right in their lineup and play really well. So, um, Zellweger's next. Zellweger's next. We already have, I mean, Mason McTavish, um, Trevor Zegers a couple years ago. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it seems like every year they manage to add a couple of young guys in who, who really fit or their system fit the way that they play and, and understand how to create offense on that team. And it's just, it's so impressive to watch of, to, to watch the Anaheim Ducks go about the rebuild because I feel like every pick is logical. Every pick they make in the draft fits a certain purpose, fits a certain kind of, blueprint of how they're trying to build their team and how to make how to move forward and that is so important when you're trying to rebuild as an nhl team is just to have a clear-cut kind of understandable objective uh for for yourself in the future so they're really off to a good start and i'm really looking forward to seeing how leo carlson slots in there because i think that I mean, we're definitely talking about a first liner within the near future, right? I mean, I don't think it'll take more than two, three years before Leo Carlson's playing full-time first line minutes. Um, do you agree on that? I mean, he already is technically. Yeah. I mean, uh, t- two games into his NHL career, he's averaging over 20 minutes a night. So yep. uh, th- he's definitely on track for it. I-, I know that in this first game, he took that that, that top line spot because Adam Henrique was out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he should probably keep it <laughs> from what I've seen so far. But <laughs> Uh, we'll see how it progresses, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Leo Carlson's a, he was always a very, very comfortable top six projection and, uh, that, that has not changed. Uh, and as, as for the top line upside, uh, I can definitely say I'm more confident about that now, having seen him excel in a top line role, 
uh, to start an NHL season than I was a couple months ago. Uh, so yeah, it's it's always nice to see prospects, no matter where their draft slots are just progressing steadily after draft year seasons. And, uh, Carlson looks better in the NHL than any viewing I had of him last year, which is already great news. For sure. I mean, other than that 11.1% face-off percentage, I mean, that's something to work on, but overall... We don't talk about the face-off, Don, okay? <laughs> this, this two, two NHL games, Hattie. Come on, you're nitpicking for details. A, I mean, it's this... like a point game. <laughs> No, goal. listen, I mean, I mean, listen, uh, he's got a goal in two games, but uh, yeah, 11, 11% in the face off dot that that needs to change. I mean, yes, yeah, he, I mean, he has one face off win, right? Like, I think he has one, I th- yeah, he, I think he won he, one out of nine face offs he took, and that was all the first game. He, he took no, no face offs in the second game, it was entirely the first, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, look, certain things are going to, to take time to develop <laughs> and. Certain pro habits, I mean, face-offs especially, just take reps. Yeah. Like, you just got to keep trying. And yeah. uh, you rarely see, like, 18, 19, 20-year-old players come into the NHL and dominate the face-off circle. So, yeah. uh, I mean, surprisingly, yeah. Logan Cooley's above 50%, but you look at Connor really? Bedard, is at 35%. Yeah, yeah that's more expected. Bedard, for 35%, is right about where he'd expect a draft year player to be. I mean, Cooley's got a year of yeah. experience and all that, but even then, like, 52% it's is impressive. very impressive. Exactly. Co- yeah, couple so. games, small sample, but still. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see Leroy Carlson develop into that that bona fide first-line center because with a player of his profile, the way that he plays, I feel like face-offs are going to play a massive role in his ability to be impactful as a center, right? I mean, he's, he's the type of player who at the peak of his career is going to be trusted as a two-way forward. So oh, yeah. part of that, the big part of that is being trusted on major face-offs in the defensive zone in the last minute of the game. But like you said, it, it usually takes a bit of time to kind of get into that groove. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Leo Carlson become um, a, a one of the best face-off takers in the league by the time he's developed fully. It's just right now, he's definitely he's not, not quite that. there yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how that kind of develops for him. But he's off to a fantastic start. Um, that wraps things up for Leo Carlson in our second segment. Now, we'll give you some updates on two 2024 NHL draft eligibles. Archem Lefshunov out of the NCAA and Maxim Malsi out of the QMJHL. Right after these messages here at Locked On NHL Prospects. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need uh, to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your car, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you're guaranteed uh, to fit uh, your, your part on any car uh, every single time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP. Eligible item, items only. Exclusions apply. All right. So to end things off, we'll talk about two 2024 NHL draft eligibles that we've watched recently. Um, I watched a game of Maxim Mossy from uh, from a couple days ago, uh, so we can talk about that. And, um, and Sebastian knows Archam Lefshunov fairly well. I've had a couple viewings of him, but um, let's start with Lefshunov because he's most likely to go in the top ten out of these two guys for sure. Yeah. Um, 
let's start off here. I mean, the, the viewings have been on and off, haven't they? I mean, I, I feel like every time one of our team scouts, um, Arshan Lashinov, we come away with different impressions of him. So give me your take on him and I'll kind of talk it through as well, what I've seen from him and what I've liked. Um, but yeah, what have you seen from him recently that, that you really like and what are the things you think he needs to work on for sure in order to become that bona fide top 10 option? Yeah, he, he's been a fascinating prospect so far. Uh, I was not overly impressed with his D-1 tape uh, in the USHL, but I've been digging slowly into his NCAA tape where he's been tasked with massive minutes as a, as a freshman. He's playing like 23 to 26 minutes a night um, yeah. with uh, uh, Michigan State University. And uh, he, he is at a point of game at the moment. He has uh, three goals and six points in six games. And... Uh, he he has been their go-to guy at the blue line. That said, what I've seen so far hasn't screamed top ten to me. Uh, he 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 has good edge work. Uh, he's quite fluid in his movements. However, he has a really stiff upper body, which I think really limits his mobility. Uh, he's he has a bit of a hunch posture, and again, that upper body really does not uh, swivel much at all. It, it really stays rigid. And it means that he really struggles to be deceptive with the puck on the stick and to to fake options, to go fake one way before going the other. Those sudden movements don't come easily because he's shifting his entire body weight as one uniform uh, weight rather than swiveling through his motions and being able yeah. to use all of his mobility and all of his joints uh, to, to kind of like move around the ice and I think that that's kind of limited him a, a fair amount in terms of what I would project as a hopefully a puck moving defenseman at the NHL level uh, makes that a little bit more of a difficult projection in my eyes because he's a pretty strong passer but with the puck on a stick like the handling skill is fine but it mechanically handles the puck decently well but because of that lack of mobility he, he's not really able to do too much with that and inside the offensive zone, he does activate routinely and uh, and likes to go up the hash marks. He's, a, he's pretty trigger happy, loves to shoot the puck. Uh, I would say probably to a fault at this point in time, he can look off passing yeah. options to just take a big slap shot from the blue line that uh, might not make its way through the, to the net in the end. Um, but still, defensively, this is a very intelligent player. I think instinctually he is very, very, very good. Uh, his first instinct, uh, whether he has the puck or not, uh, is often the right one. Uh, I think that he gravitates to the right positions on the ice uh, when it comes to making split-second decisions of whether or not to intervene and whether or not to pinch or whether or not to be aggressive at the offensive blue line, for instance. Yeah. Uh, he makes the right call 80 to 90% of the time, and that, that's been great to see. That said... I do think that there's a divergence between how smart he is instinctively and how smart he is in terms of processing the game and, and making calculated decisions actively rather than just yeah. those gut instincts. And I think that's where there's more room to work with, uh, with Lev Shunov. I think that he's going to have to work on uh, being able to make creative decisions while being pressured. I think that he needs to consistently have his like, his B and C options in the back of his mind when he has the puck on his stick. That way, when he is pressured, there's less of a deer in the headlights aspect. There's less of a panic and dump in the puck. And there's more of just a simple play to his defensive uh, teammate or or to a forward who's open as an outlet option or just being a bit more aware while he has the puck. 
uh, I think would, would go a long way uh, to kind of alleviate those processing, like speed decisions that that at this point in time in the NCAA are still kind of a work in progress with them with puck on a stick. Uh, yeah. But still, as a whole, I think this is a very interesting prospect. You don't often really see freshman defensemen playing 25 minutes a night in the NCAA, let alone when they're putting up a point a game in that stretch. So to start the season, he's been impressive from the stat line. And uh, in terms of the viewings, I definitely think there are things to work on here. And I don't quite see him as a top 10 or 15 guys of yet. Uh, but there is definitely a lot of room to work with there. And he could definitely project as a top 15 talent when the year is over. I just would need to see some quite specific progression in how he approaches the game. For sure. Um, I mean, when you look at when you look at a guy like Artem Lofshunov, you're looking at a player who almost definitely has um, kind of above par kind of anticipation elements. He understands his options very well. He just tends to default to his first one a lot. Yeah. Um, he doesn't identify, like he's good at knowing what the B and C options are. And you can see him scan and evaluate and take that in. But he so rarely identifies when his first option isn't working in order to exactly. hit those second yeah. or third options. So once I feel like once that's developed, once that's acquired, I mean, the mobility in and of itself, um, it, it, you know, if you look at his as work in a vacuum, it's really good. If you look at his defensive shutdown ability, it's really good as well. Um, I, I've been fairly impressed with the viewers I've gotten in, in, you know, from him regarding his ability to especially defend a rush, especially kind of angle players yeah. off to the side and yeah. make life difficult in transition for his opponents. Um, for sure. But yeah, there, there are some small details, some small elements to work on that you don't see, for example, with Sam Dickinson or Zane Parekh or, you know, some of the guys that we both have in our tentative top 10 is kind of locks at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving on to Maxim Mossi, who uh, is playing with the Shikutsumi Sagnier in the QMJHL, um, a program that doesn't necessarily have the highest level of kind of surrounding talent. Um, Mossi was fairly good but there are some major concerns in his game that make me think that we're looking more at a second um second rounder than a first rounder in in this case he's a very powerful player uh with a really powerful stride he's smart on the forecheck and his application to pressure um he's got a lot of intense uh, intensity to his game and um he he's really good at kind of uh using look offs on his playmaking in order to fake like he's going to go and pass one way and then finding another passing lane. Um, but that's so weird that his playmaking is so good because I maybe saw him scan the ice three times in that whole game. Um, that combination just doesn't make sense to me. Usually a player who's a good playmaker is constantly scanning, constantly taking in the surroundings. I like I generally felt like maybe he had like a neck injury because he generally did not look over his shoulders like more than twice in that whole game. Um it's so weird because that's such an important element of not only playmaking, but overall just being an impactful forward and playing the style that he plays, like understanding where your next play is before you get the puck is essential. And we talked about that when we did our episode on the U.S. Sofkovsky's progress. Um, it's so important to be able to know what your next play is before you get the puck. Mossy rarely does. He's really good at improvising. He's really good at kind of figuring out what his next play is on the fly. But he would be so much more of an impactful player if he just took a moment to scan the ice and then figured out what his next play was before even getting to the puck. Um, but there are some small details that are pretty impressive. Like I said, he's, he's very, fairly powerful and he uses it well. Yeah. He's able to spin off pressure. I'd love to see him use the cutback a bit more to create more space in the offensive zone. He tends to 
tends to he tends to force play down the boards as much as possible when he has a puck along the boards, but just using a cutback to to cut to cut backwards instead of forward, um, in order to just open up more space to create a lateral pass to a teammate um, in, in, in the offensive zone, for example, either one of his wingers on the other side or his defenseman streaking in, activating. I think that would benefit him a lot. Um, and obviously, I mean, you're not going to get a, a full high-end defensive player out of Mossy, but he's decent enough that he can kind of figure it out. Um, so overall, I'd, other than his playmaking, I mean, his shot's decent, but I don't see much stick handling ability. He's got some weaknesses there. So there are weaknesses in his in his offensive game. There are weaknesses in his defensive game, and overall in his processing and and, and abilities, um, his mental attributes. There are some issues as well. So there are some concerns in kind of every area of the game, but he has surrounding skill that compensates for it. So he still got overall a profile that would, that would put in a second round. Um, but there are too many concerns in this game to kind of considering a, a, a top, uh, a first round player. Just simply, and and so it's so frustrating because with Marseille, I was looking, I was really hoping that there would be a first rounder there because other than him, I don't see anyone out of the QMJHL that's worth a first really. rounder again. Yeah. Like it's it's not the yeah. it's not the first time, and the the quality in the queue has dropped a lot. So that that's a bit For concerning. Sure. Um, yeah, and one thing with with Marseille that I found interesting too is that uh, similarly to what. Well, he, he kind of reminds me a lot of last year's uh, top QMJHL player in um, Ethan Goetze, just with a lot less situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the power, the the hard skill elements, uh, and playing the and playing a hard skill game effectively in the queue is already pretty impressive too. So there's a couple yeah. elements there that, that that remind me of Goetze, but uh, as you said with the scanning habits, uh, they're not exactly yeah. on par with the with Goetze uh, last yeah. year. Yeah. Gosia's whole thing is how translatable his game is. Exactly. And, yeah. And yeah. that's just not the case for me so far with Mossy. Uh which is why I was so high on Gauthier and and so far I'm not really high on on Mossy. It's just that foundational fundamental difference between those two. Um I I still have yet to see some habits in Mossy's game that really scream NHL whereas that's all Ethan Gauthier was. Yeah. It's just NHL habits here, 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 here. It was just very impressive to watch him go about it last year. Uh, but that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue our prospects coverage, including uh, talking about Joshua Roy, uh, Yuri Kulik in the AHL, um, a KHL program that's working really well with young players and an update on Lane Hutzer's brother, Cole Hudson. Uh, that's coming up at Tim episode. This has been Hattie Kalakash with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.